What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome back to another episode of Time Out with Tony, your host, Tony. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so today's episode, another album review, we're going to be reviewing the 1998 album, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill, by far one of my favorite rap albums of all time. Well, it's not really a rap album, it's more of a Neil Soul and R&B with some hip-hop soul and reggae. It's a combination of all these things, and it's so fucking, by far, one of the best hip-hop albums out there, all right? Trust me. Believe me when I say that, all right? It's got a little bit of everything. It's got hip-hop. It's got Sneo Soul. It's got R&B. It's got... Just give it a listen, though. Anyways, so yeah, today, Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Before we get into today's episode, ladies and gentlemen, I want to take a quick minute and thank you guys all so much for the support. It means a lot, really, so keep it up. And most of all, tell everybody about the podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's February, so um, yeah. Um, let's just get straight into it. Fuck. Fuck it. Fuck it. I don't... I ain't waiting. Fuck it. Fuck who? Let's just get into it. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, um... Yeah, Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Sit back, relax, and crack open a beer, soda, and or water, ladies and gentlemen, and enjoy because this is the Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Yo, remember yo. back on the bully when cats used to harmonize like. <laughs> yo, yo, my men and my women, don't forget about the dean. This is not the most king. Yo, it's about a thing. Uh, yeah, feel real good. All right, so real quick, so for those of you that are unaware, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill is the debut solo album by singer and rapper Lauryn Hill, released on August 25th, 1998 by Roughhouse Records and Columbia Records. The album is a neo-soul and R&B album with some songs based in hip-hop soul and reggae. The lyrics touch upon Hill's pregnancy and the turmoil with her former love or with her sorry and the turmoil within her former group, the Fugees, along with themes of love and God. The album's title was inspired by the film and autobiographical novel The Education of Sonny Carson and Carter G. Woodson's The Miseducation of the um, <clears throat> African American. <clears throat> After touring with the Fugees, Hill became involved in a romantic relationship with Jamaican entrepreneur Rohan Marley. Shortly after, she became pregnant with their child. The pregnancy, as well as other circumstances in her life, inspired Hill to make a solo album. Recording sessions for the album took place from late 1997 to June of 1998 at Tough Gong Studios in Kingston. As Hill collaborated with a group of musicians known as New Ark in writing and producing the songs. The, day, the, sorry, the album would go on to debut at number one on the Billboard 200, selling over 422k copies in its first week, which broke a record for first week sales by a female artist. It was promoted with the release of the hit singles Do Whoop, That Thing, X Factor, and Everything is Everything, while Lost Ones and Can Take My Eyes Off You were released as promotional singles. To further promote the album, Hill would go on to make televised performances on Saturday Night Live and at the Billboard Music Awards before embarking on a sold-out worldwide concert tour. 
The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill was among the most acclaimed albums of 1998 as critics as most critics praised Hill's uh, presentations of a woman's view on life and love, along with her artistic range. At the 41st annual Grammy annual Grammy Awards, the album would go on to earn 10 nominations, winning five of those, making Hill the first woman to receive that many nominations and awards in just one night. The album's success propelled Hill into international superstardom and would contribute to bring and would go on to contribute to bringing hip hop and neo soul to the forefront of popular music. Troubles did rise, however, when Newark felt that Hill and her record label did not properly credit the group on the album, and as a result, a lawsuit was filed uh, by the group and was settled out of court in 2001. Since the release of the album, it's been ranked in numerous best album lists with a number of critics regarding it as one of the greatest albums of the 1990s as well as the greatest albums of all time. Among its honors are inclusion in Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time, Harvard University's Low Music List Library, and the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History, and the Library of Congress's National Recording Registry. In 2021, the album was certified diamond by the RIAA for estimated sales of 10 million copies in the U.S., making Hill the first female rapper to ever accomplish this feat. Worldwide, the album has sold over 20 million copies, making it one of the best-selling albums of all time and the best-selling album by a female rapper and the best-selling neo-soul album of all time. Unfortunately, however, the album remains as Lauryn Hill's only solo studio album. It's a shame, ain't it? Alright, let's take a look. Fucking shit, why do I keep hitting the cable? Anyways, let's get right into the background. So, in the year 1996, Lauryn Hill met Rohan Marley while touring as a member of the Fugees. They formed a close relationship, and while on tour, Hill became pregnant with his child. The pregnancy and other circumstances in her life inspired her to do a solo album. After contributing to fellow Fugees member Wyclef Jean's 1997 record, Wyclef Jean Presents the Carnival, Hill took off time from touring and recording due to her pregnancy and cases of writer's block. The pregnancy, however, renewed Hill's creativity. <clears throat> As she recalled in an interview several years later, quote, when some women are pregnant, their hair and their nails grow. But for me, it was my mind and my ability to create. I had the desire to write in a capacity that I hadn't done in a while. I don't know if it's a hormonal or an emotional thing. I was just I was just very in touch with my feelings at the time, end quote. Of the early writing process, Hill said, quote, every time I got hurt, every time I was disappointed, every time I learned, I just wrote a song. While inspired, Hill wrote over 30 songs in her attic studio in South Orange, New Jersey. Many of these uh, drew upon the turbulence within the group The Fugees, as well as past love experiences. And in the summer of 1997, Hill was due to give birth to her first child, and she requested to write. She was requested to write a song for gospel musician Cece Williams. Several months later, she went to Detroit to work with soul singer Aretha Franklin, writing and producing her single "A Rose Is Still a Rose." She would also go on to have Hill direct, uh, Franklin would actually go on to have Hill direct the song's music video. 
Shortly after this, Hill did writing work for Whitney Houston, and having written songs for artists in gospel, hip-hop, and R&B, she drew on these influences and experiences to record The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. Hill first began recording the album in late 1997 at the, uh, the Chung King Studios in New York City and completed it in June of 1998 at Tough Kong Studios in Kingston, Jamaica. In an interview, Hill described the first day of recording stating, quote, The first day in the studio, I ordered every instrument I ever fell in love with. Harp, strings, timpani, organs, clarinets. It was my idea to record it so the human element stayed in. I didn't want it to be too technically perfect. End quote. Initially, Wycliffe Jean did not support Lauryn Hill recording a solo album, but eventually offered to help her as a producer, which she did not accept. Aside from doing work at Chung King Studios, Hill also recorded at Perfect Pair Studios in New Jersey as well as Sony Studios, with some songs having different elements recorded at different studios. The bulk of the album, however, was recorded at Tough Gong in Kingston, Jamaica, the studio built by reggae musician Bob Marley. Regarding the shift in the environment, Hill stated, quote, When I started recording in New York and New Jersey, lots of people were talking about me going different routes. I could feel people up in my face, and I was picking up on bad vibes. I wanted a place where there was good vibes and where I was among family. It was tough gong, end quote. Many members of the Marley family were present in the studio during the recording sessions. Among them was Julian Marley, who added guitar elements to Forgive Them Father. In an interview, recording engineer Gordon Commissioner Gordon Williams recalled the recording of Lost Ones, stating, quote, It was our first morning in Jamaica, and I saw all these kids gathered around Lauren, screaming and dancing. Lauren was in the living room next to the studio with about 15 Marley grandchildren around her. The children of Ziggy, Stephen, and Julian, and she starts singing this rap verse where all the kids repeating the last word of each line chiming in very spontaneously because they were so into the song, end quote. Columbia Records considered bringing in an outside producer for the album, and, and they had early talks with Riza of the Wu-Tang Clan. However, Hill was adamant about uh, writing and arranging the, uh, and producing the album herself, stating, quote, it would have been much more difficult to articulate to other people. Hey, it's my album. Who can tell my story better than me? End quote. She recalled Rough House Records executive Chris Swartz ensuring her artistic freedom while recording the album. I had total control of the album. Chris Swartz at Rough House, my label said, Listen, you've never done anything stupid thus far, so let me do your thing. End quote. Now that's that's a, it's a inspirational words if if I'm not <laughs> if I'm not correct, if I'm not uh, mistaken. So you know. Is that all right? So, the tracks itself, the intro, nothing much to say about it other than it's 47 seconds, uh, 47 seconds long. It's a decent interview, I mean, it's a decent intro, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Um, track two, Lost Ones, second favorite song on this song. I really like the beat, the I really like it. I really like the chorus too. You might. You um, what is it? You might win one, but you lost. No, you might win some, but you just lost one. Yeah, there you go. You might win one, but you lost just lost one. X Factor, another great song on this album. Not much to say about it other than I really like the production that Hill did for this song. 
Track number four to Zion featuring Carlos Santana. Great added into that. Really liked it. <clears throat> really liked the feature too. Amazing. Track five, Do Whoop That Thing. Best song from Lauren Hill ever, bro. I could blast it to the end of fucking days. Amazing song. Great vocals too. Fucking whoo. And the piano too, fucking amazing. Track number six, Superstar. I really don't have much to say about this song, about this one, um, other than um, you know it's it, it's all right. I can't really remember much about it, but it's cool. Track seven, Final Hour. It's a great title too. It's a great title. I really like the medley of it too. Um, it's one of my least favorite. Lauren Hill songs, but I'll still listen to it. I really like, but I really did like uh, the track, the uh, the track title, track number eight. When it hurts so bad, man, give me this song while I'm driving down the light, drive driving down a freeway late at night. All right, give me that. I'm blasting that shit to the end of days. All right, fucking, <clears throat> it hits my feels. All right, that's what I really like about this album too. You know. In my own way, I can relate to it. <laughs> Track number nine, I Used to Love Him, featuring Mary J. Blige. Great feature, great artist as well. Um, not really else much to, uh, to say about it other than that, you know, it's, uh, it's just there, you know what I'm saying? Track number 10, Forgive Him Father, another favorite song off this. I really love Lauren Hill singing on this. It's so gentle. It's so um it's just great singing, you know? Track number eleven, every ghetto, every city. It's a bit forgetful despite the title, but it's alright. Number track number twelve, nothing even matters. Pardon me. <clears throat> Featuring D'Angelo. Um, again, not much else to say about it other than, yay, it's a good song. Uh, yeah, just, yeah. Track number 13, Everything is Everything. Fucking love this song. Fucking love it. I love it. Um, not much else to say about it. Everything is everything. All right, just, just, just fucking deal with it. Track number 14, Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Great title, great song, great way to end the album, if I'm not mistaken, man. I mean, Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Here it is. Boom. Get out of here. Now, there are some hidden tracks. Um, there's her rendition of Can't Take My Eyes Off You. Classic. Especially when you're listening, listening to it from her voice. If you've never heard of Lauren Hill's voice... I suggest you listen to it because she has by far one of the most amazing voices in music history that I've ever heard. I won't lie. It's it's uh it's soothing. It actually makes me want to sing, man. Did you believe me Tony singing? That's not even that's like a let's take it. That's a whole curse, man. That's a it's a cursed. It's not that that's just something that's not supposed to happen, all right? <laughs> so, mm. <laughs> But 
that's pretty much it. Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Um, the rating. All right. So, on a scale of one to ten, I gotta give the Miseducation of Lauren Hill a. A perfect 10. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. A perfect 10. And here is why, first and foremost, the title itself, the cover itself, the concept itself, it's so original compared to what was out in the 90s. You know, I mean, at this time, you still got the East Coast versus West Coast uh, rivalry thing going on, but it's kind of calming down because this is, you know, post Tupac and Biggie. Um, so, you know, more rappers are trying are starting to take up the scene and this is where Lauren Hill comes in. Not only that, but the range of this album, that's what makes it even more, um, likable. The range. I mean, you got R&B, hip hop, neo soul. It's a combination of, 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 of genres that just makes you curious and you're like, whoa, I want to know where this is going. And you see where it goes and you're like, motherfucker, they did amazing with this shit. And that's what it. And that's what this is. That's what it is with this. Um, so I praise it for its, its artistic range. I praise it for the production as well. Lauren Hill, amazing work as a producer. Especially with the with Lost Ones and um, Do Whoop amazing production on both of those songs um let's see what else um i forgot what i was gonna say um the singing the lyrical lauren's lyrical ability again amazing dude don't the fact that i you know it's like at first, you're like, oh, you're doubtful of it, you know, because, oh, it's a woman and whatnot. But, you know, once you hear it, you're like, yeah, man, this this girl's got it. She's got it. That's what I'm talking about. And I don't know. That's just what this was with this, with this album. I, I know once that I, you know, I was like, oh, this album's from a woman. It's going to be garbage. No, no, dude. I was so hyped to listen to this album. In fact, I actually even bought the CD and listen to it like that. That's how hyped I was to listen to this album, because I've heard so much. I up until this up until that point, I've heard so much about it. I'm like, dude, I, I've I've only heard do whoop, and I'm like, you know, if if these other songs, you know, they have the same energy that Lauren Hill brings to this song, then this song is gonna be a hit. And so I bought the CD without you know just opening up Spotify and listening it to there. Nah, bro, I straight up got the CD, sat down, and I'm like, totally worth $5.64. Yeah, that's right. I bought it for $5.64 right off Amazon. I'm pretty sure they raised the prices now, you know, because of inflation. But um, I was just really amazed by the artistic range, the ability, the lyrical ability as well, the... the um, <clears throat> the production as well you know not a lot of not a lot of um artists can do this kind of thing you know where they produced almost every single song on their album and they make it to be amazing you know and that's what this was you know she has both the lyrical and the production ability to make this 
best-selling album. And not only that, but the records it broke as well. Amazing. So, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. The Miseducation of Lauren Hill, a perfect 10. Do I recommend it? You're goddamn right I do. Especially if you're trying to listen to some 90s R&B or, you know, just something from the 90s. This is something to go to. Alright, if you're trying to get into 90s music, this is where it goes. This is where you start. Um, That's pretty much it. Yep, that's pretty much it. Let me know what you guys think about the album. I personally think it's a perfect 10. Totally recommend it. And uh, whatnot. Alright, let's see how... Let's let's, uh, take a look at how it did. It released sales. So the album, released in August of 1998, in its first week, debuted at number one on the Billboard 200, becoming the first album by a solo female rapper to peak and debut uh, at the number one spot. Its first week sales of over 422k copies broke the record for female artists, which was previously held by Madonna's 1998 album, Ray of Light. And it also made Hill the first act to have debuted at number one on both Billboard 200 and Hot 100 with the first entries on each chart. It topped the Billboard 200 for a second consecutive week during which it sold 265k. In the US, the album sold 1 million copies in less than a month and 2.9 copies by the end of that year, becoming one of the best-selling albums of 1998. The album was also the top rap album of the year according to Billboard, topping the Billboard year-end top R&B hip-hop albums chart, making it the only album by a female artist to, to accomplish this feat. It held the record for the longest charting album by a female rapper on the Billboard 292 weeks for over 21 years before it was surpassed by Cardi B's debut album, Invasion of Privacy. Its first week sales remained the highest, uh, remained the highest first week sales for a debut album by a female artist in the 20th century and the highest for a female rapper ever. The album was promoted with three singles, Doo Whoop, X Factor, and Everything is Everything, all of which became hits and produced popular music videos. The album's sales increased after Hill's appearance at the 41st Annual Grammy Awards as it sold 234k more copies in the week of March 3rd, 1999, and 200k copies the following week. By August, it had sold 10 million copies worldwide, including nearly 700,000 in Canada. In April of 2002, Columbia announced that it, the, the album itself had sold 12 million copies worldwide and by 2009, global sales were reported to be 19 million. As of 2018, it is the most streamed album released in 1998 on Spotify. <clears throat> by 2021, the album was certified diamond by the RIAA, earning Hill the Guinness World Record for being the first female rapper to reach RIAA diamond status and has sold over 12, uh, 20 million copies worldwide, according to Sony Music. Now, there was a lawsuit. And despite the album being a largely collaborative work between Hill and a group of musicians known as New Ark, there was label pressure to do the Prince thing, wherein all tracks will be credited and written and produced by the artist with little outside help. While recording the album, Hill was against the idea of creating documentation defining each, mu- each musician's role. That same year, New Ark filed a 50 50- 
staged lawsuit against Hill and her management and her record label, stating that Hill used their songs and productions but failed to properly credit them for their work. The musicians claimed to be the primary songwriters on two tracks and major contributors on several others, though Gordon William, the album's mixer and engineer, described the project as a, quote, powerful personal effort by Hill. It was definitely her vision, end quote. In response to the Hill, Hill uh, to the lawsuit, Hill claimed that Newark took advantage of her success and they requested partial writing credits and monetary reimbursement. The, the suit was eventually settled out of court in February of 2001 for a reported $5 million. And with the success of the album, Hill would go on to become a national media icon as magazines ranging from Time to Esquire to even Team People vied to place her on their... Uh, uh, on their front covers. In a February 8th, 1999 Time cover story, Hill was credited for helping fully assimilate hip-hop into mainstream music, making her the first hip-hop artist to ever appear on the magazine's cover. Joe Carmen, uh, John Carmen C., sorry, Carmen Mance Manica, I don't even know how to pronounce that, uh, writing in the Rolling Stone album guide, called it, quote, as earnest and unpretentious and pleasantly sloppy an album as any woman of the hip-hop generation has ever made, and said that by appealing by a wide spectrum of hip of listeners with hip-hop filtered through a woman to a womanist lens, the album propelled Hill to superstardom of epic proportions and the focal point and hip-hop's crossover into the mainstream, end quote. That's... Yeah. <clears throat> uh. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. You heard that first part. He actually said that. What does he know? He's he's just some loser. Oh my god, I'm looking at a picture of this. Oh my god, this guy looks like a fucking incel. <laughs> All right, I'm getting carried away. <clears throat> um, shoot, where was I? Where was I? Oh, along with Arikaya Badu's 1997 debut, Badu's Baduzum. I don't even know how to pronounce it. The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill was also an important release in neo-music, in the neo-soul music scene. According to Ebony Magazine, it brought the neo-soul genre to the forefront of popular music and became the genre's most critically acclaimed popular album. According to the Encyclopedia of African American Music, saying, uh, quote, some tracks are based more in hip-hop soul than neo-soul, but the record is filled with live musicians and layered harmonies and therefore transcending record that connects modern hip-hop r&b and classic soul music together creating groundwork for what uh followed it in the neo soul genre end quote on the album's 15th anniversary in 2014 american rapper nas reviewed the album for double xl hailing it as a model for artists of all genres to follow he called it quote a timeless record pure music and said it represented the time period, a serious moment in black music when young artists were taking charge and breaking through doors, end quote. In 2015, the album was deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant by the Library of Congress and selected for inclusion in the National Recording Registry and became the first debut album by a solo artist to ever receive this honor. In 2017, the album was among the first batch of albums to ever be preserved in Harvard's University Law of Music History. The album has also been included in the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History. 
The album remains Hill's only studio album, and after its success, the singer shunned her celebrity status to pursue a private life while raising six children, but both personal and professional difficulties followed. As Miami Times a New Times journalist Juliana Acoli explained, quote, she was reported to have spent years on a spiritual quest while dealing with bipolar disorder. She was sued over songwriting credits. She even went on to serve a three-month prison sentence in 2013 for tax evasion. She was deemed a diva for wanting to be called Miss Hill and criticized for her erratic performances, end quote. In October of 2018, Hill embarked on a concert tour commemorating the album's 20th anniversary in anticipation Akoli reflected on the album in context of the Me Too movement in recent years, saying, quote, Against that backdrop, Hill's own descriptions of mistreatment carry validation and support for victims for women who came up during miseducation's zenth. Attending Hill's 2018 performance could serve as a measure of how much the world around them has changed and how many things remain the same. Her crash course on life is very still much relevant, and it could all be so simple, but it's not, end quote. And, um, well, it's pretty much, as far as the story goes for this album, that's pretty much it, ladies and gentlemen. Let me know what you guys think about the album. I totally recommend it. It's an amazing piece of work. Um, definitely not forgetful. Something that you just might want to listen to while you're winding down or you're preparing to do something. Either way, give it a listen and let me know what you guys think. But other than that, that's pretty much it for today's episode, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you guys all so much for listening, and we'll catch you guys later this week. Three episodes this week, all right? For the month of February, new episodes every... Let me check my phone real quick. I um, need <clears throat> Let's see. Um, so, new episodes every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, all right? Keep an eye out for that. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, it's pretty much it. We'll catch you guys next week. Thank you guys all so much for listening. Take care, stay warm, and most of all, don't drink and drive. Okay, show's over. Please get out. Thank you.